The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Well, if you're at home right now, go ahead and open it up to Psalm chapter 42. And I know we're not together, but a lot of times when I come out to speak, I just, I'm reminded of how awesome our worship team is. And so maybe right there where you are this morning, uh, maybe you could just give a hand to our worship team. They do a great job. Our staff as well have been working so hard. I'm getting text nine, 10 o'clock at night from some of our staff, just trying to think creatively and intentionally how we can serve our body and those who are a part of our sphere of influence here in Los Angeles. And so I'm grateful for our staff together. Well, the text this morning is Psalm chapter 42. This is really the first week in Los Angeles when we've been uh, safe at home, as our, na- as our mayor has said. Our governor has called it sheltering in place. And so this is really the first week where our kids have been at home. I've seen a lot of memes this week about kids being at home and homeschooling. This is the first week where many of you have worked from home. Um, this is the first week where everything is sort of life has slowed down and we've all uh, been at home. So the streets are empty, but the sidewalks are full. I walked yesterday and there's people everywhere. But for the most part, uh, most of us are sheltered in place. We're safer at home. Psalm chapter 42 is an interesting text for us today and in the season of life that we're in. Psalm 42 generally is considered, the, the writer is generally considered to be a man named David. If you're nominally connected even to the Bible, you probably are familiar with David. And so David is in this situation where he's literally in a cave. And he's in this cave and he's running for his life. He's scared for his life. And David is in this place where he's sheltered down in place. And so this physical cave that we're going to see here in Psalm chapter 42 is really symbolic for the emotional cave that David uh, David is in, really the spiritual cave that David is in. And so in this cave, as he's, he's sheltered down in place away from other people, David cries out, to God. And so I think this is such a great message for us here um, in 2020, going through what we're going through. And I want to preach a message this morning and, and talk to us on, on this theme and this idea and this title. And the title is How to Speak to Yourself When You're in a Cave. How to Speak to Yourself When You're in a Cave. I want to walk through these verses together. There's 11 of them. I want to walk all the way through these verses together. And then when we get to the end, I want to make uh, three applications and reflect on what we're seeing here in Psalm chapter 42. So we're going to start in verse 1. And this is what the scripture says. Verse 1 of Psalms chapter 42 says, As the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, My God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Remember, this is David. When when can I go, David says, and meet with God? Now, if you've been around church for an extended period of time, this psalm is probably familiar to you. In fact, if you're old enough, there was a song written in the 90s. I don't know if you remember. I was in college. It seemed like our church sang this song every single week. As the deer panteth for... Remember the song? The waters, oh my soul. When we were singing, it was just such a slow song. It, it just felt so serene. 
But the reality is this is not a tranquil scene that we see here in Psalm chapter 42. This is not sitting on your back porch with a cup of coffee and the birds are whistling in your ear. This is not a peaceful scene. This is not a Thomas Kincaid painting scene that we see in Psalm chapter 42. There is desperation happening. I thought about the song that we used to sing when I was in college. That's a dear pants for water, so my soul pants for you. I told my wife this week, I said, we sang it so slowly and it felt so calming. Reality is it really sings like a death metal song. And she's like, you, how would that sound if you sang it in death metal? So I sang it for her in death metal this week. I'm going to spare you. But listen, this is what's happening. This is a scene of desperation in this passage, the deer that's panting for water, he's desperate. He's dehydrated. When you're dehydrated, you, you can begin to hallucinate if you don't have water. You're, you're out of energy. You're out of breath. This is a desperate scene. And really what David is describing here is really this is, this is his spiritual state in the moment. This is his spiritual thirst that he's talking about here in Psalm 42. Listen to how he describes it in verse 3. Verse 3, David says, My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? I want you to let this image sink in for just a moment. This is David here. He's not talking about having a bad day. David's not talking about, man, you know, it just didn't go good at the office today. It didn't go good on set today. I want you to let this image sink in for a moment. David is describing a darkness that's settling in to his soul. He's talking about a desperate situation, so much so that you forget to eat. Maybe you've been in this situation before. You're crying until you cannot cry anymore. And everything David sees and everything he begins to think about is contributing and making the problem worse. Here in this passage, his enemies are mocking his faith. And they're saying to David, David, where is your God? And so this, we could probably describe this moment as a, as a crisis moment. This is really a crisis that David is walking through. And so his doubt is beginning to rewrite his faith. David, if you know David, is a man of great faith in the Old Testament. But his doubt is beginning to rewrite his faith. There's thoughts going through his mind. Remember, David, when you were really close to God? That wasn't real, David. Where is your God? It's a crisis moment in Psalm chapter 42. Many of us are walking through a crisis. Listen to what he says in verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Listen to what he says. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy. Listen to what he says. And praise among the festive procession. And so we haven't mentioned it yet, but, but David, David is in hiding. And, and we see David in a cave in other places in the psalm. Psalm 57, Psalm 142. In those passages, David is hiding from King Saul. In Psalm 42, David is hiding actually not from King Saul. He's hiding from his son Absalom. Absalom is trying to take his life because Absalom wants to be king. And so David is alone here. And David begins to think about where he used to be. He's beginning to think about where he wants to be. And so at the end of verse 4, he talks about a procession. He talks about the house of God. He talks about these voices that he remembers. He talks about the things that he used to see. He's thinking about these voices of joy, these voices of thanks. What he's remembering is being in the presence of God's people. He's remembering being with God's 
people. Why is he remembering that? Because the voices of joy that he heard, the voices of thanks that he heard, those voices brought his eyes towards God. That's a great reminder this morning. It's a good reminder that what our eyes see, what our ears hear, those things eventually go to our soul. David remembers what it was like to be in the presence of God's people. He remembers what it was like to have his eyes lifted towards God as he heard people sing, as he watched people worship the Lord. And so uh, this, this is a challenging thought for us here this week. And over the coming weeks, this is a challenging thought for us because we don't have the privilege of watching each other worship, of seeing each other raise our hands, of hearing the voices. This week, as I'm preparing this message, I literally began thinking of being in moments of worship with our Story City family and hearing your voices raised to God, of seeing your hands worshiping God. This is a challenging environment that we're in. Now listen, we're not present with each other physically, obviously. We're present spiritually, but we're not present physically. David says, my eyes were lifted to God. My my ears were lifted to God because I saw what's happening in the house of God. We don't have that privilege here this week and last week and for several weeks to come. And so here's why this is a challenging thought to us. Because because we have a moment in front of us where the days can simply move by if we're not intentional about the things we see, about the things that we hear. It's going to be very easy to watch the days go by if you're not intentional. So can I encourage you just for a moment before we really make application of this passage this morning? Can I encourage you just for a moment? If you're a part of our faith family this morning at Story City Church, I want to encourage you just very practically this morning to just think about five people in our faith family. They may be people that you know. They may be people that that you nominally know. Maybe you have their cell phone number. I want to encourage you today, this week, to make a list of five people. Reach out to them. Some of you have done that to me. We've done that to others. This is a moment where we need one another, and we need our eyes and our ears to be lifted to God because those things go to our soul. David in Psalm chapter 42 is detached from God's people. He's in a cave. He's all alone. He's on his own. And it's obvious as we read this passage, David's in despair. There's this internal fight in his life for hope that's happening, that he's wrestling through, that he's walking through, and he's remembering what it was like to be present with the people of God. His desperation takes a massive turn in verse 5. Let's read it together. Verse 5 says, Why, my soul? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I don't know if this resonates with you this particular week. I don't know if you've been saying these same things. Maybe this morning you're reminded of these things. Maybe you've been saying to yourself, why am I so afraid? Why am I so panicked? Why why am I so down? David starts preaching to himself, and he's saying to himself, hope in God. He knows what he believes is true. I I just want to say to you, as a pastor, there are seasons of life and ministry where you walk through, and you have these moments of saying, why am I so downcast? And you have to begin to preach to yourself, hope in God. That's what David is doing here today, and he knows that God is his salvation. 
He knows that the moment that he's walking through is a temporary moment. He knows that one day, he knows that one day he's going to be able to sing songs again. He's going to be in the presence of God's people again like he used to be. David knows what he believes, and it's important here. David uses what he knows to be true as a weapon, as a weapon to fight against the struggle and the darkness that's trying to settle down in his soul. Now look at verse 6. He says, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. David's far away from home. David's under attack here. Verse 7. Listen to verse 7. Pay attention here. Deep calls to deep, David says, in the roar of your waterfalls. Then watch what he says. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. David's describing the depths of despair that he's currently experiencing and what he's currently feeling. Just, this is just such a visual scene. Can you imagine the waves breaking over David in this moment? It's a very visual scene. David is describing the scene where he's drowning. This is how desperate he is. David points out, by the way, in the second half of verse number seven, David points out, these are not waves that are breaking over my life. These are not waves that I caused. David says, these are God's waves. God's in control here. These are God's waves, and so he calls out to God in the depths of his despair. And so what's happening here is David's deep pain is calling out, and, and now listen to me, God's deep love is about to answer. He says, deep calls to deep. David's deep pain is calling out to God, and God's deep love is about to answer. Listen to what he prays in verse 8. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me. David's praying a prayer of faith. He's got faith. He knows what he believes, but it's about to turn here in verse 9. A prayer to the God of my life. Verse 9, I say to God, my rock. Now look, verse 8, David just has this moment of faith where I know God's with me. I know God's with me in the morning. I know he's with me at night. But then verse 9, it just turns. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Verse 10, my bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Do you notice this about David's prayer? This isn't, like, this isn't a calming prayer. This isn't a peaceful prayer. This isn't, like, this isn't like your serenity Bible study. This isn't on the back porch of coffee and birds singing. This is not a peaceful prayer. David is honest with God in this moment. So what we see in verse 8 is his faith. David has faith in verse 8. He knows God is going to be faithful. And then we get to verse 9. And then we get to verse 10. And David is expressing, I know, God, you're faithful. But God, it just honestly feels like you've forgotten me. It honestly feels like I don't know where you are, God. He says, why have you forgotten me? Do you know that every worship song we sing is not a happy song? Every worship song we sing is not a happy song. In fact, there are some songs that are filled with faith, and simultaneously they're filled with, with wonder. I found that the songs that we sing the loudest in our church 
The songs we sing the loudest in our church are the songs that, that express how, how the depths of how, how our suffering is affecting us, and they're honest to God about our suffering. Sometimes we sing songs that are filled with faith and joy, but at the same time we sing them, some of us are singing them, and we're wondering, why does it feel like, God, you're not present with me? You're not here yet. And this is what David is experiencing. David has this moment of faith, but he still feels like God is not yet there. Maybe you've gone through something similar. Maybe even you're walking through something similar in your life today. You know God's faithful, but you're beginning to wonder, God, where are you? Have you ever asked God, God, why have you forgotten me? Have you ever asked God? Have you ever ever watched somebody else go through tragedy? Have you ever watched somebody else go through this moment where they've lost something in life? And you wonder, God, where were you in this moment? David answers his question here in the very last verse, in verse 11. Read verse 11 with me. David says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. I don't know if you notice this or not, but David repeats himself here in verse 11. David said the exact same thing in verse 5. And then in the very last verse of this psalm, David repeats himself. Now listen, the psalm ends here. This is where the psalm ends. David's in a cave. David's all alone. David is in the midst of this tremendous struggle, and he's pointing his eyes, and he's pointing his heart towards victory. David is looking towards hope while he's still sheltered in place. David's not there yet. He's still in a cave. He's still away from God's people. Now, can I say to you this morning, there will be moments in your life when you are not yet through your suffering, but you need to point yourself to victory. That's the ultimate storyline of the Bible, by the way. That's the ultimate record of what the Bible communicates to us. Sin has ravaged humanity. We're in a constant struggle with sin. Yet God has the final word, and God will win. And by the way, when God wins, we win. That's why, that's why I'm not freaking out today. That's why many of you that I've talked to are not freaking out today. That's why, by the way, you should turn your phone off when the phone is causing you to freak out, when the phone is causing chaos in your life. That's why you need to turn the news networks off. That's why you need to stop listening to the voices in our culture that are creating chaos in your life and trying to tell you what's going on. Listen, the Bible tells us what's going on. I can tell you what's happening here. Sin is ravaging humanity. It always has. This is just another episode. This is just another way. This is just another flavor. It comes in different forms. It comes in different conflicts. It comes in different wars. Listen, this is just the latest form of conflict and struggle because of sin. I talked with a guy this week who, who, who was a doomsdayer. I don't know if that term resonates with you. Um, There's a TV show, I think something like Doomsday Preppers or something like that. I talked with a guy this week who was a doomsdayer. He looked at me and said, hey, do you, have you ever heard of the midnight clock? And I was like, well, I mean, I know it turns midnight, you know, once a day, but I, and he's like, no, the midnight clock means the end of the world. 
He was serious. In, and we're a minute to midnight, he said. We're maybe even a second to midnight. You need to get a backpack, and when the end of the world happens, you need to go up high. We'll come down from the mountains and raid home. I mean, this guy was like, he was, this is the end of the world. This is a literal conversation I had this week. But guess what? When I had that conversation, I didn't leave that conversation huddled around. In fe- I didn't have to go home and curl up in my house and be, and be, and be strangled by fear. Why? Because I'm not afraid. If this is the end of the world, guess what? We win. God wins. David knows here in this passage that God is going to be faithful. David knows one day I'm going to praise again. There's a day coming, David says, when my face is downcast, but it's going to be lifted high. Until that day happens, David in this passage is not waiting on God to show up. It's important to understand this. David understands that God is present now. Now, let's step out of the passage just for a moment, and I want to make three quick applications and reflections on this passage about how to talk to ourselves when we're in a cave. I really think this passage was written for us in 2020 when we're sheltered down in place. And there's three thoughts that I want to bring to us this morning. And the first is this. From what we read in the passage, I want to encourage us to talk to God honestly. Be honest with God. This is really what David is sharing in the first six verses in this passage. David is really raw in the first six passages. David's not playing church. David's not putting on this fake smile and saying, yeah, things are good when things really aren't good. David is honest with God. He's not pretending that it's good when it's not. David is honest with God. He's crying out to God about how he feels, about what he sees, about how this whole thing is affecting him. He even says to God, this is as honest as you can possibly be. God, where are you? Why have you forgotten me, God? David is honest with God. We've never experienced this moment before. History has experienced this moment before, but in our lifetime and those of us who are living right now, we've never experienced this before. Our rhythms are interrupted. Our work schedules are interrupted. Our family schedules are interrupted. For some of you guys, your days have slowed down to a pace that they've never been this slow in your entire life. For some of you, life is more hectic than it's ever been, especially if you work in healthcare. There's never been a season like we're currently in. We have a window of time here. When, when everything in life has changed, we have a window of time, two weeks, four weeks. It may last a little bit longer, but eventually this is going to come to an end. But we have a finite moment of time where we're never going to experience this moment again. I want to encourage you in this season to carve some time out. You've got a different rhythm when you wake up in the morning. Many of you, like me, aren't setting an alarm clock when you wake up in the mornings, unless the text messages start coming at 4 a.m. like they do most every day this week. Our rhythms are different. We've never had this moment again where we can talk honestly with God. Some of you have been so busy in life and you've not had this moment where you just go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. I want to encourage you not to allow this moment to pass again. Be honest with God. Maybe you're carrying something that you brought into this moment of life that was even different, completely separate from the coronavirus. Maybe you brought this into this moment. This is a moment where you can slow down. You can speak honestly to God about what you're experiencing. Talk to God. Tell him what you're experiencing internally, externally. As David said in verse 7, let the deep 
cry out and let the depths of God's mercy answer your deep. Secondly, first, talk to God honestly. Secondly, I want to encourage you to slow down. Slow down and listen to what God is saying. Verse 7, David says, the deep, the deep within him, the deep despair, the deep that some of us will never express. We're afraid of the consequence. We're afraid of what happened when we'll express it. We're so busy, we don't even slow down to express it. David says, deep, his depths of despair calls out to God's depths of grace and mercy and love and his fullness that he wants to bring to us. The depths of God's mercy and love speak to the depths of our darkness in two primary ways. The first way that the depths of God's mercy and love and grace and fullness speaks to us, first of all, is in our sin. In our sin. Now, the passage is not particularly about this idea of the depths of God speaking to our sin, but I want to take just a second and point this out this morning. This is not the primary concern of this passage in Psalms, but I think we need to mention it. Maybe you have experienced the deep darkness of sin. Maybe it's not something that just recently happened. Maybe it's something in your life that was brought into this moment. Maybe it's sin that you've inflicted on somebody else. Maybe it's sin that's been inflicted on you. You understand this. You may have never described it like this, especially if you're, if you're not a believer and not a part of the family of faith, but sin has this way of paving a path of destruction in our lives. It messes up families. It messes up finances. It messes up our careers. And maybe you're wondering today if the hurt that you're experiencing and feeling is ever going to end. Maybe it's the hurt from from the guilt you experienced, from the sin that you've inflicted on somebody else. Maybe it's the hurt that you're experiencing that somebody has inflicted on you this morning. I want to remind you of what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Paul speaks very honestly here, and if you know Paul's story, before Paul became a Christian, he was literally persecuting the church. In Acts chapter 7, Paul is literally giving his approval to the death of believers. He's killing believers. That's deep sin. Paul understands what it's like to sit in the guilty seat, and maybe that's where you are today. If that's where you are today, listen to what Paul says in the very next verse in 1 Timothy 1. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy... So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. So in spite of Paul's deep sin, God's deep mercy and his deep grace and his deep love towards Paul saved Paul. Listen, can I say to you this morning, listen, your sin has not cast you so far away from God that you're beyond the forgiveness and love and mercy and grace of God this morning. You can call out to God. Paul says he's a patient God. He's been patiently waiting for you to come to him today. You can call out to God, confess your sin, all of it. The Bible tells us the deep love of God, when the depths of our despair and our sin calls out to God, the deep love of God will answer your prayer, and he will forgive you. The Bible tells us if you confess your sin, if you receive his mercy, you will be free from the burden of your sin. Here's the second way that the depths of God's 
Love and mercy and grace speaks to the depths of our darkness. God speaks to the depths of our suffering. God speaks to the depths of our suffering. Some of you may be experiencing darkness of the soul that has the potential to cripple you. Some of you, I'm confident, you wish that you could just just avoid it. Most of us do. Most of us try to avoid suffering in our life. But your deep suffering, may I remind you this morning, is the place where God's deep love and his promises are offered to you. Uh, Pastor in New York City, Tim Keller, says it like this, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity instead empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. That's an alternative way to live and to think about life. Most of us want to sit in today's joys, foreseeing that at some point in life, sorrow is going to come. Pastor Tim Keller says, instead, as Christians, we can sit in today's sorrows. We can sit in the crisis of today, knowing that there's a day coming when joy will be present. The pastor, Charles Spurgeon, he's, he's, a, he's a dead preacher. He's known as the prince of preachers. It's widely known that Charles Spurgeon struggled with depression most all of his life, especially his ministry journey. Psalm 42, he said, was a psalm that brought him great encouragement during his depression. Listen to what he says about the deep trials of life. He says, yes, feel the loneliness of life. Here is a dreadful deep for, your, for you to sail on, and a tempestuous deep much to be feared. For your little boat may easily be wrecked, but don't forget there's another deep whose remembrance will remove from you the bitterness of your present sorrow. There is love in heaven towards you, which will never grow cold. Immortal, he says, and unchanging love. To those of you who are listening this morning, or maybe you're watching at another time, and maybe you've got the tendency to deny the suffering that you're currently walking through. Maybe you're scared of the consequences. Maybe you're scared of the pain. I want to encourage you to let the deep pain of your life call out to God so you can hear the deep answer that he has for you. I know this is the case. Despair can lead us to a place like David where we don't want to eat or we forget to eat. Despair can lead us to the place where we don't want to get out of bed. It can lead us to the place where we want to recluse from other people. But hear this hope from the deep well of God's care for you. God still loves you this morning. God still cares for you. God's still present with you in your darkness. God still hears and sees and knows your tears. He's right there with you. And he's asking you to give him your darkness. And he promises he can free you from it. The Bible says so in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will drink. I will drink from the deep golden goblets reserved for those giants and give you rest. David says, hope in God. I want to commend you to that hope this morning, this week, while we're in this season. You can trust in that hope. That hope will never fail you. And the only way you experience it is if you slow down in life and you're honest to God and you slow down enough where you can hear from God. Listen to him in this season. And finally, the third application and reflection from this passage on how to speak to ourselves in a cave is this. Preach the gospel to yourself. 
Preach the gospel to yourself. Every one of us has our own way of interpreting what's happening around us. All of us have our own way of trying to figure out and internalizing what all of this means, what, where all of this thing is heading. Each of us has our own way of interpreting the coronavirus, what it means to us. We all have our own voices speaking to us. And some of us have voices that are saying, you should panic. Some of us have voices that are saying, listen, you need to overreact. Some of us have voices that are trying to convince us this is not okay. Some of us have voices that are trying to say to us, this is the end of the world. Please hear me this morning. There is no greater voice in your life. There's no greater voice that will speak into your life than your own voice. Your own voice is going to speak to you, but listen to me. There's danger in seasons like this because of sin. There's danger in seasons like this to listening to our own voice in times like these rather than speaking the gospel to ourselves. The ancient, the, the, the pastor, not ancient, he's not that ancient, but Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones writes about it like this. He says, the main trouble in this whole matter of spiritual depression, in a sense, is this, that you allow ourself to talk to us instead of talking to ourself. This is what we're seeing with David. This is what we're experiencing with David. David's having a conversation here in Psalm chapter 42. This is not multiple personality disorder. Literally one sentence changes to something different in the next sentence. We're watching David transform before our very eyes. He's coming to his senses right in front of us, and he's preaching the source of hope to himself. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. David stops listening to himself. And David starts speaking to himself. This is, this is what many of us need to do in this season of life. Stop listening to your own Voice. Stop listening to the voices of despair in our society that are trying to speak to you. This is what Dr. Jones called the art of breaking out of spiritual despair. It's preaching the gospel to ourselves. It's preaching the gospel to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves and listening to the voice of others and listening to voices of despair. I'm literally grieved for some of us. Last week, last week, I, I, I stood on the stage last week and I thought I'm preaching a message to people and I'm preaching about where to put our hope and where to put our trust and not to panic. And honestly, I stood on the stage last Sunday not having very many conversations at all with people in our city who were panicked over what's happening. This week was different. Literally every single day, text messages, in-person conversation with people, people who have roommates who just literally left the city. They don't even know where they went. People who are panicking in this moment. It's when you begin to think it's not going to get better that you need to say, self, hope in God. And this is what David's doing here. He's preaching the gospel to himself. He's not listening to the voices that are trying to speak despair into his life. Listen to me. Please, in Jesus' name, put the cell phone down this week. Stop reading 
conversations about this being a conspiracy the government is putting on us. Stop reading these conversations about how, how all of these things are happening from websites that aren't even legit. Listen to me. Stop listening to these voices and start preaching the gospel to yourself. What is it that God came and he died for me? He set me free. He set me free from sin. And I know that in my despair, I can come back to the promises that God has for me. What are those promises, Pastor Matt? Those promises are that when I'm in despair, I can remind myself from 2 Corinthians 5.17. When I'm in despair over my sin, 2 Corinthians 5.17 promises me that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So I'm going to stop listening to myself saying things like, I'm never going to get past this. And I'm going to start preaching to myself, I'm a new man. I'm a new woman. I am a new creation. God has delivered me from sin. He's freed me from sin. So shut up, self. I'm choosing to hear God's words. It's the promise that when I'm in a place where, where I feel like, like David, God has forgotten me. God's not present, and I'm scared that I remind myself of God's hope in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. He will never leave me nor forsake me. The Lord is my helper. Whom shall I fear? It's when I'm all out of hope. When I'm all out of hope and, and there's no reason to get out of bed, I read Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, the promise of God to me. One day he will wipe away every tear. No more crying. No more pain. And my hope in this day will rest in the hope for another day. So I'm going to stop listening to myself today, and I'm going to start listening to God. Preach the gospel to yourself. It's in those moments where we think God has forgotten me. I have no hope. I'm just like David. And I need to remember Romans chapter 8. What shall separate me from the love of Christ? Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth. I cannot spiral downward to a place where God's love cannot go. I'm going to stop listening to the voices in my head and the voices of despair are Around me. Depth will not separate me from God's love. What can separate me from God's love? Nothing, the Bible says, can separate me from the love of God. So stop listening to the voices around you. Stop listening to the voices of despair while we're in this cave. Start preaching the gospel to ourselves. What is the gospel? Yes, I'm a sinner. But secondly, yes, God loves me. Third, yes, God died for me. And finally, yes, God one day is going to make all things new. We're going to get over this. I can sit in my sorrow and my grief and the, and the sorrow of today knowing one day is coming. God's promise is that one day is coming. So how should I speak to myself in this cave? First, speak honestly to God. Second, slow down enough where you can just hear from God. And thirdly, preach the gospel to yourself. I want to pray for us. We're just going to sing one more song, but maybe you're listening today. Maybe you're listening today, and I don't know how you join us. Maybe somebody texted you. Maybe you saw this from a post that somebody shared on Facebook. I'm not sure how you're here, but can I say I'm glad you're here this morning. 
And maybe you're not a believer, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you've never come to your, this place in life where you've come to Jesus and you said, Jesus, I recognize who I am. I need hope in my life, but I recognize that my sin has separated me from the hope that you want to offer me. This is the record of the Bible. This is the gospel. This is what we call how to be saved, how to know Jesus. We come to him saying, God, I know I'm a sinner, but God, I know you love me. God, I know you created me and you're responsible for me. God, I know that if there's never a solution to the problem of sin, the result is death, both in this life and the next. But God, I also acknowledge today that your love for me, you demonstrated your love for me in this, that while I was a sinner, you died for me. The Bible goes on to say that if we would confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that in fact, when he went to the cross for your sin and my sin, what he did was he made it possible for the problem between me and God, you and God, he made it possible for there to be a solution to that problem. That if we would trust our life to him, ask him to forgive us of our sin, and there's this moment, not that the Bible says we can be or ought to be or might be, there's security and assurance in this moment where the Bible says we will be Saved. That's what the Bible says. There's a solution to our problem of sin, and God solved it. We couldn't solve it on our own. And now God gives us the privilege and the opportunity and the joy to be able to sit in today, even though it may be difficult, and even though it may be chaotic, and even though there may be panic all around me, he allows me the privilege because I have access to God by the Holy Spirit of God to be able to say, I know what this day is, I know what's happening this day, but I know about the day that's coming because I'm going to stop and I'm going to talk honestly to you, God. I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to continually preach the gospel to myself. If you've never given your life to Jesus, may I encourage you to do that today? If you'd like for somebody to pray for you, you can comment right there. If you're on Facebook, you can send us an email, prayer at storycitychurch.com. A pastor will reach out to you, will call you, pray with you over the phone. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the privilege of listening to your word today. God, you're good to us and you're kind to us. Your word is true. God, I pray that you would not let us pass over this moment, this season that we have, this finite moment in history that we may never, ever experience again. And God, bring us to this place in this moment where we're in this symbolic cave, Lord, where we can speak to you honestly. God, we're, we know that you're a God who speaks back to us. You speak to us through your word. You speak to us through the spirit of the living God who gives us hope and encouragement and joy and peace that passes understanding. God, would you remind us today in those moments where I keep reading those text messages, in those moments where I keep reading those news, in those moments where I keep reading the voices of despair all around me, God, remind me, remind us as a church to preach the gospel to ourselves to be reminded of where hope is ultimately found. In Jesus' name, amen.